This Sunday conversation, we sit down with entrepreneur, husband, coach, leader, Robert Flagg. Enjoy. Let's go. Three, two, one. podcast and on this sit down I'm honored with um, I would say a great coach Robert Flagg so Robert introduce yourself to us what's up yeah my name is Robert Flagg I'm one of the trainers here at the gym performance center Um, I'm originally from Clearwater Florida born and raised and moved up to Ohio to study pre-med at the College of Worcester where I got my four-year degree in biology um Hit a little sidetrack in terms of what I wanted to do in life. Uh, started training. It kind of made the most sense. So I'm certified through the National Strength Conditioning Association. Um, been training for eight years. Um, all facets of training. So not just um, what I would say my niches would be um, kids and athletes. But training all types of individuals. So enjoying what I'm doing and enjoying where I'm at. Well, you mentioned you had a little sidetrack. Yeah. What was that sidetrack? So that sidetrack was, um, so we all have times in our life where we have something that we're planned or we plan on doing. Mm-hmm. We kind of view our future in a certain way, and and I'm no different. So um, when I graduated high school, I had the opportunity to play football um, at the next level. So College of Worcester is a Division three, so there's no athletic scholarships, so you kind of have to make your own way. Uh, so I came up here, uh, did the football thing, um, and, uh, graduated with pre-med through biology, wanted to be a PT. That's around the same time they started bringing it to a doctor degree. Um, so if you've ever been to a smaller school, um, trying to transfer to a larger school like Ohio State, um, there's a little bit of discrepancy in terms of the track that you have to go or the, um, sort of class schedule you have to do. So I was missing a few classes. So decided to take a, a six-month hiatus, um, signed up for winter classes at Ohio State. Um, I had to do like kinesiology and some of those other things that they didn't offer at Worcester. Um, and then I started at a big gym, so I started at Urban Active in New Albany. Yeah, I remember that one. And I got so busy so quickly because I was so hungry to get any sort of client. I didn't have a niche then. I didn't have a preference. I just wanted to help people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was over a hundred clients in the first month. It was ridiculous. Yeah, that's, um, and, and I really fell in love with just the, the people aspect of training. Um, and obviously like seeing people, you know, reach their goals and things like that, but it was really about the people. And, um, you know, I remember it took a week and I decided that this was something that I actually wanted to do. Um, so at that point I kind of broke away from the main gym, started my own business. So it's flag fitness LLC. Um, I'm in it with my wife for an A flag and, uh, and yeah, we just kind of go about our business trying to help people as best we can. And that's, that's, that's awesome. And the whole thing about picking up a hundred clients at a big box gym, that's like unheard of. Yeah. It's, I mean, so you said you're hungry. What did you do? Like, so if a new coach is going to come up to you and say, Robert, I want to be like you, what advice would you give someone to be like, cause you know, in your own business, it's, you know, you're making all the calls, you're doing all the stuff. Right. At a Urban Active, did they did they pass people around or is it more of like you just you tell me what you do? Right. I'm not real familiar with big box gyms very well. Right. So 
how does someone like that, I mean, how does anybody get 100 clients at a place like that? So because of my degree um, through the NSCA, um, they required back then a four-year biology or some sort of science degree. Mm-hmm. So just that in itself made me a master trainer is what they call like their higher end trainer. So people have to pay more and, mm-hmm. you know, go through all that sort of stuff. Um, so that in itself kind of gave me an edge on, on other people. But yeah, we had a, a person who, you know, when people would sign up at the gym, they would get a free session with this person. They would evaluate it. They would fill out a park queue. They would do all that sort of jazz. Um, and then they would throw them in with whatever trainer they thought would be the best fit. Um, and I remember I was super aggressive and I had a really good um, relationship with the guy and the girl who would send us clients. And I'd be mm-hmm. like, hey, anybody and everybody. I don't care how busy I get. I just want to get as many more, people as more, I can. More, more, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I didn't want to sacrifice the quality of the training. So, you know, fast forward a little bit. Once I got to that point where I had that many clients, you know, as you can tell, just like, you know, you're driving through a highway and it starts to get congested and traffic slows down. Um, I kind of had that same sort of deal where people were paying all this outrageous money. I wasn't making a lot of money doing what I did at a big gym. And, um, you know, that's the point where I was like, all right, I have to take a step back and figure out, you know, why I'm doing this. Am I doing it for the money or am I doing it because this is what I enjoy and I can't give them the product or the, the sort of relationship that I want as a business person because I have so many clients at that mm-hmm. point, you know, and it just wasn't making sense. So that's why I so got out from of like quality to quantity kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Which I, I see a lot of people get burned out by that and you went a different route instead of getting burned out. You refocused and then built your model. Yeah. Which you did before at Urban, you didn't have a niche. Right. And now you do. Right. I, I can tell you do. Right. Explain to us what that niche is and why, my opinion is I think you're one of the best ones at it. So explain to them why your niche is that good. Okay. So I really thought about the niche aspect of it. And I think first and foremost, it comes down into a couple layers. The first layer, I would say my niche is people. Because I don't think you can actively train somebody or actively be a mentor to an athlete or a kid or whoever if you don't have a relationship with somebody. Um, you can yell at them. You could give them the best sort of program. You could tell them all the things they need to do. You give them all the tools in the tool shed. But if they don't necessarily respect you, they don't connect with you on a personal level, I don't think it really holds the same oomph you know, point, yeah. as, as any other way. So I think first and foremost, people is my niche. Secondly, I've really been drawn to um, athletes, specifically younger athletes um, that are in the the real important developmental stage. So like middle school, beginning of high school, and then usually when high school is over, you know, most of my athletes have had the opportunity to play at a higher level. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of D1, a lot of D2 kids. And um, so I think that would be like the sub niche of, of what I do. Um, and it's been such an amazing opportunity to be able to, to work with athletes specifically of that age range. Cause they're, they're, they're like a sponge, mm-hmm. you know? So if you can give them that positive reinforcement you can give them, you know, obviously the, the training protocols and the ability to be more explosive and be more efficient as an athlete, but also to be able to connect with them and to show them that, you know, there are people who can be on your side, who can give you constructive criticism and not feed into that like ego. Cause a lot of kids around the Columbus, Ohio have the ego right. trip and you know, it's kind of that gray area where you have to figure out, okay, you know, how am I going to connect with this athlete? 
without feeding too much of that ego, but also telling them that, you know, they're doing great or giving them positive reinforcement. So kind of getting off track on that one, but. Well, no, it's, it's kind of a little different because, I mean, you play college football, I guarantee they didn't say, you're awesome every day. Right, <laughs> right, definitely. I mean, I have a, a story which um, my coach told me was I'd be better off if the whole team took me out back and beat the crap out of me. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay, great. You know, things right. like that. You know, we can't do that today because – I mean, you do that now to a kid, he's going to leave. He's going to go right. somewhere else. Right, And it, I agree. There's a fine line of saying, hey, you're good, but you're not great. You have a lot more work to do. Right. And it's it's tough it's because there's so many people out there saying, you're awesome, you're great. And then you got one person saying, you're not that great. You could be better. Right. And I, I, I commend you because dealing with kids where all day long they're telling how great they are, and then, then they get with you and you're like, hey, you're, you're good, but, right. you know, you deadlift this, but let's deadlift that. Right. And, I mean, most people have trouble with that, which is tough. And it's really crazy because, I, like I said, I grew up in Florida, and so I played football in Florida, which is, you know, highly highly skilled players come out of Florida all mm-hmm. the time. And, it's, oh, yeah. and, you know, if you're in a given county, there could be 30 or 40 high schools in that given county where, you know, a lot of those guys are going D1, Division uh, 1AA, things like that. So, you know – the coaches out there are ruthless because they know that this is the way to go and this is where you have to be. And if you're not there, then you're not going to get it done. And I, and I didn't necessarily want to bring that concept with me just because that was the way I was brought up doesn't necessarily mean that's the way I need to teach. Mm-hmm. So I want to give the athletes and, and really all my clients um, just the best of both worlds that – Yes, you are good enough. You are loved. You are, you know, you are good enough in this world to be respected. But there's also other things that we can do to get better. That doesn't mean you can't get better. That doesn't mean you haven't hit your full potential yet. So there's that fine line, like I said, where, you know, you want to be able to connect with them. But you also want to say, hey, let's get to work. Let's put the nose down. Yeah, Yeah, let's go. And see, I think that takes one. So when you do that, do you kind of know before you how to push a kid you know what kids you can push and what kids you got to pull the reins back on yeah. or is it more of you try a little bit and then you see how far you can go yeah it's really like when i first see a kid um you know and this has really been prevalent the last prevalent the last couple weeks um is that you really i feel like again you really have to get to know somebody in order to really train them effectively because there's some kids who respond well to negative criticism, which I don't like to do very often. Um, but there's kids who just like, if you set a fire under their ass, that's the only thing they need. Mm -hmm. And then there's other kids who have been somewhat coddled in a way throughout, you know, whether it's like, because coaches want them to stick with this team so they can hit their finance goal. And Mm -hmm. there's a whole bunch of politics with that, but you, you want to be careful with dealing with kids because you don't want to push them away. You don't want to give them too much too quickly. So that's where that relationship has to build over time. And usually within, you know, two or three weeks, I really get a fine grasp of like how to communicate with the kid and what I need to say to him. And usually most times than not, um, they kind of get the program or they get the gist of the way I train or they get what I'm expecting of them. Mm -hmm. Um, and then if they don't, really that's where it starts to get a little bit tricky. Maybe you pull them to the side. Maybe you get some other kids who have who have been groomed into like a leadership role. Some kids just flourish in that. And that's what I find out to be the most effective when a kid doesn't buy into a program is to get other peers 
that they respect, that they see grinding every day to say like, hey, like this is how we do things. If you want to get to this point, this is what we got to do, things like that. So mm-hmm. it really helps have a good group. But it, again, it starts with getting to know them and creating that personal yeah, relationship. I mean, you got to think about it. It's a lot of trust. I mean, again, you hear so many stories where, you know, kids growing up in high school and college, they fall in love with their coach because they trust them. And the coach is tough on them, but they mold them into something. So right. It's kind of the same thing with you is they trust you. They want to succeed because they want to make you proud. But if you didn't have that personal relationship, there's nothing to grow up. But, right. So that makes a lot of sense. And I think... That's a big test I think a lot of coaches need to hear because I think they're so focused on getting the numbers, getting the money in their hand, they forget that personal, you know, their personal relationship. Right. And I'm guaranteed these kids probably invite you to their signings. They want you to go to their games. Yep. They're like, hey, Rob, what I, this is what I did today. Yeah. If you didn't have that relationship, you know, they wouldn't right. be doing that. Yeah, Which exactly. That, that says a lot too because you're not just training an individual to be better at their sport. You're, you're training the person to be better. Yeah. Which, I mean, when you said your niche is people, that's probably the best niche I've ever heard because, I mean, what are some of the niches here? Weight loss or, you know, glute development or all that kind of, right. just you name it, top. Right. But you're missing, I mean, it makes sense because if you don't get used, if you don't get to know the person, they'll just move from one person to the next. Yeah. And to them, it's like, oh, I'm just a number to them. Like, we've all heard that saying, it's like, I don't like working for this company because they just feel like I'm a number. Right. Well, with them, they're not a number, they're... They're an individual. They're they're Todd or they're Eric, they're Alex or whomever, and your goals are their goals and vice versa, which is right. Which is huge, and I, I can see it in your coaching where you you honestly care about them. I mean, again, I remember I told you, hey, I'm going to Georgia for a week. Oh, you going to that tournament? I got like six kids going to that tournament. <laughs> yeah, I'm I remember. Like, I remember talking about. No, that. but that's pretty awesome that you're you know their schedule better than most people, which is pretty incredible. Yeah, and. Like, that just takes time, man. It just takes time to build that relationship with them. And, you know, I've had dinner with parents. I've, I've, I've gone out to the bar to have a drink with them. And, yeah. like, you know, you just – you can really tell somebody who actually cares about the individual because you can look at a program and say, okay, I can put you on the best program. I can be as diligent as possible. You can, you know, kick butt in it. Well, what happens when you go to a different program? Like, most of these kids will. All right, if they're if a client needs me the rest of their life, then I'm not necessarily doing something correctly. They choose to be. Yeah, they choose to be. But uh, nine times out of ten, I really want them to actually learn something from me mm-hmm. and, and become uh, a better person. And I think that's more important outside of the gym because you can translate that into business. You can translate that into parenthood. You can translate that into being your better husband or, or wife. And that's really what I want to try to push with the younger people is that – Yes, we're teaching you how to do a correct deadlift. Yes, we're teaching you how to be more explosive. Yes, we're teaching you how to respect each other in the gym. But I also want you guys to understand that this is something that you can take in any facet of life. You know, the hard work, the um, the great attitude, the, the willingness to sacrifice to reach your goals, things like that is what I really want kids and my clients to really take with them in any social situation. That's huge. I mean, because you think about you know, to be successful in anything, sport, um, work, yeah. marriage, whatever, it takes time, it takes effort, and in the gym, it's time and effort. Yeah. Not everybody comes in squatting, you know, you're deadlifting twice your body weight, you have to work up to it, just right. like anything else, which, that, that says a lot, because I think some people come in, they work out, and then this is one part of their life, and their life is something different, which, this should help drive their outside of life. Right. Even if they're not an athlete, I tell everybody all the time, everyone's an athlete at one point, because, 
we have children, we're chasing our children, or we're moving snow in the wintertime, or we're carrying groceries. Those are all athletic movements. We come in here, we train, so the everyday movements of our life are easier. And it seems like you're teaching your kids that you're in here working with me, but I'm not just teaching you to, to lift more. I'm teaching you the, the, the habits to make your life better on every aspect. Right. Which is good, because I think most people miss it. And I, I think you're nailing it, which is good. Now, my question is, you have a lot of athletes, you know, football, basketball, soccer. In your idea, do you, can you, how would you train, do you train them all kind of the same or do you go sports specific? Because, you know, that's now coming back in the media again where we have to be more sports specific. Yeah. And I know you have had conversations before where it's, it's just movement and power and you can relate that with your skill. Right. How do you go about it when someone says, I want to do sports specific? And what's your response to that? Yeah, so that, I mean, that's such a multi layered question that I, I think that if you're going to effectively train somebody, there are certain guidelines in which you want to try to stick with. So, you know, you want to f- focus on posterior chain work because that's. I mean, that's in any sort of running base thing. That's in any sort of jumping base thing. Breaks, yeah. That's any sort of like when you're loading your back hip in a baseball. I mean, it's, it's all, it's all connected in that. So I feel like there are certain sort of techniques or sort of protocols that you want to follow. Um, I'm very explosive based when I, when I train. So zero to 60 is fast, but as efficiently and as safely as you can. Um, so that's, that's consistent across all boards. Um, I'm very technically sound with the training, so I'm not going to push somebody to go more weight or to do anything that are uncomfortable with. If I'm looking at your technique and I'm like, eh, you know, it's questionable, I would rather take a step back and say, okay, we're going to get this, this, and this so that your body is efficient so that you don't have to mentally think about these things when you're doing a compound lift like a power clean or like a dumbbell snatch mm-hmm. or, or like a traditional squat. I can't even tell you how many kids have never done a traditional squat before in their life. Yeah, and scary. it's you have to break down that bad habits because, you know, unfortunately, there's just not enough money in high school sports right now to, to give them efficient and effective training. Mm-hmm. So when they come to somebody like me or somebody like you and you have to sort of look at a basic squat form, not even putting a bar on their back, and you have to say, oh, man, like this needs to work, this needs to work, this needs to work. And nine times out of ten, kids will get it within the first day or two. Which is good. Um, but you can't go on past that unless you got the basics down, unless you got the techniques down. Because if you can't do a traditional squat, guarantee you can't do a squat with a bar on your back. Guarantee you can't do any sort of balanced single leg work. I mean, it's all connected in that. So to get back to your point or to your question, uh, yes, there's, there's definitely protocols that I do with all uh, sports. And then you can break that down into sports-specific um, things. So for instance, a soccer player obviously needs to do a lot more cardio or a lot more running based stuff. So we'll do some technique stuff. We'll do some, some hamstring development a little bit more than maybe a baseball kid where we we'll do some hip and some glute and some, mm-hmm. uh, posterior, uh, shoulder sort of work. So hope that answers your question. Well, it, it does. Cause it, it's, it's the educational answer where it's not technically sport specific where I'm doing a cable cross as a baseball swing. You're doing movement specific, right? Which the scary thing is too many coaches will go watch a baseball game or we'll just take baseball example. We'll watch a baseball game or they'll grab a baseball bat or the, they've played baseball before in their life and they'll read a magazine that, oh, this is an exercise to help me swing faster. Right. But they don't realize like how you just said it, there's protocols. Um, 
that's great. You can teach a kid to use a cable cross machine because it looks like a baseball swing, but the kid can't squat. Right. The kid can't walk, run in a straight line. He can't lunge. He can't. Or he rally. can't load his hip effectively. He can't load his hip correctly. But he can do a cable cross machine. It's yeah. specific to the sport. Yes. But the way you answered it was perfect. Was it's it's movement specific. Mm-hmm. You're teaching kids to have a better glute. Like so, stay with baseball. Have better hamstring. Have better glute. Have a better transition through their you know internal sling system, mm-hmm. which means they can load. They can transfer and slow down right. safely. Right. And it's still, but every kid started with the basics. Can they squat? Can they do a single arm movement like a dumbbell snatch? Can they do a lunge? Can they run properly? Mm-hmm. You have these basic movement patterns before we start getting to movement specific. Right. And some people just say, I'm going straight to sport specific. I'm a baseball coach. I can teach you how to swing a baseball a lot faster. Well, great. Wonderful. Right. But you're wondering why the kid has a bad elbow, bad shoulder, throws his back out or gets a hernia. And, and there's a lot of kids um, – I was listening to your last episode with the PT guy. Yep, Kevin. And, and there's a lot of kids who can get away with that, you know, especially being from Florida. I mean the athletes there are just like – they don't need to do anything. We, we had a running back at my high school who didn't lift a single weight. He could come in bench 405 being 16. He weighed 210. He ran a 443 yep. at, at 15 years old. I mean he was a beast and a half. And you can get away with that. At, at certain levels, but when you start getting into the higher frame and you start, you know, going to PBR tournaments and you start playing against kids that are going to Vandy or you mm-hmm. start, you know, playing against kids who are going to Coastal or you're in football and you're, you know, you're starting to get into SEC country and you're starting to, you know, really try to figure out um, where your place is and where you're going to go to college. I guarantee you that ugly head that you haven't been working on or that or that attitude that you have or that that lack of work ethic is going to show its head at some point and mm-hmm. it's just like in training so if you haven't done a correct squat in a, in a long time or ever and you get to a certain point where everybody's doing correct squats besides you what do you think is going to happen yep and you're just doing a rake around that corner i always come back to um richard griffin the third Phenomenal athlete at Baylor, won the Heisman, mm-hmm. unbelievable. And there's always a picture of him doing his uh, vertical at the combine. Yeah. Where he has that giant Vargas where his knees are literally touching each other. Yep. And then he gets injured on a non-contact mm-hmm. injury. And everyone, every coach sees that and says, oh, yeah, that guy's going to injure himself. There it is. Yeah. But, but no one actually went up to him and said, you suck. You need to do better yeah. at this squat. He, yeah. Because right then, it sounds like if you got a hold of him, he would have failed your protocol. Because yeah. he, could, he couldn't load and right. jump. And I guarantee so many coaches wanted to work with this guy. They were like, you're awesome, you're awesome, you're awesome. Yeah. And they didn't tell him the truth. And then right. look what happens. His right. knee explodes by trying to cut. And you have to – as a, as a coach or a trainer, you have to be willing to have those hard discussions with people even if you're going to lose somebody. Mm-hmm. And I've lost a ton of top athletes because I've been real with them. I've been too real with them. And I'm like, you're not as good as you think you are. You can't even do a squat by yourself. Yep. Or you're not as strong as you think you are. You're not as explosive. Or you, you're good how you are, but you don't want to be great because your attitude's in the way. And there's so many kids who – and parents, quite frankly, who has said, okay, well, we'll go find somebody who's going to tell my kid what he wants to hear. Yeah. I, and yeah. it happens all the time. I hear that a lot because, you know, I, I did a little baseball in the past. And so some people ask me, hey, can you teach my kid through baseball? No, sure. I can take a look at him. And they're 10, 11, 12. You think he's got you think he's got enough to make it to the big leagues? I'm like, dude's eleven. Right. He, he hasn't a puberty yet. I can't answer that question. Well, this guy over here said he, he's got the stuff. Then work with him. Because you know, when you grab a kid young, especially in high school, 
they're going to hit growing spurts. They're going to go through puberty. Their muscles are going to grow differently. So when we see them move today, it's going to be different three years from now. Mm-hmm. It could be a, a, a positive thing or it could be a negative thing. But it's all the time, and, and I think a lot of it is, the whole Richard Griffith III, even with some of the kids you dealt with, they're getting told so many times how great they are. They don't want someone to tell them that they're bad when that's what they need to hear. And those kids that left you, I guarantee they're going to get injured and come back, but yeah, Rob, you're right. We should stick with you. Because, And our job, and most people forget, is one, yes, to make them stronger, to make them better to sport. But the objective is, our main objective is to keep them on the field. Yeah. Because it doesn't matter how strong they are. Yeah. If they get hurt and they fall off the field, I mean, who cares? Right. Yeah, you're the strongest guy on the field, but you're injured. So you're no longer on the field. So good for you. Right. And and that's, I think, what a lot of people miss is they want to be the strongest. They want to be the best. But they also, they don't want to put in the work and be told there's something wrong with them. And everybody can improve. Even the best can improve. You know, take the best football player. Like, okay, well, who's the best football player in your mind right now in the NFL? I mean, it was J.J. Watt for a while. He's Which a freak awesome. of nature. Yeah. We'll take a Bosa, one of the Bosa's. Yeah. And now there's a conversation on which Bosa's better. Yeah. It's like, you know, you have the, the one Bosa in L.A. He just got the biggest defensive deal ever. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, well, the other Bosa's better. Right. So they're, they're always going to have to get hungry because there's always someone behind them that's yeah. on their heels, on their heels. And I guarantee they went through, they went through Ohio State. I guarantee they weren't called. Mm-hmm. They were probably said, you're good. But you always could be better, right? And and that's I think it's, it's just something that's missing, which is nice to hear that you're real with them. And I think more athletes need to have that mm-hmm. because there's so much money in the industry now. You hear all the time how these guys are getting these million dollar deals to play a game. So all their parents think is, oh, my kid's great now. He's gonna be the best right. when he's eighteen. Right. You hit the nail on the coffin is where that kid in Florida was great in Florida, but then all of a sudden he starts playing against other kids that are great. Right. As you get taller on that hill, the pyramid gets littler and littler. Yeah. So, and that's what happens. The ugly head comes around the corner. Right. And that's where, getting back to our original discussion, that's where those small, you know, changes that you make, that's, that's where those, um, the, the people aspect comes in. So when I teach somebody, you know, to bring a good attitude every day or to respond correctly every day or to do those things that you can't measure, there's no quantitative data for that. Mm. But when you get to those hard spots where the pyramid gets shorter or narrower and narrower and narrower, maybe you can't fall back on your strength. Maybe you're not as strong as the guy next to you. Maybe you're not as fast as the guy next to you. But you still have those ideologies to fall back on and say, okay, this is this is who I am. I'm a hard worker. I'm going to be efficient with my movements. I'm going to strive to be better every single day. And that will fill in the gaps of that strength or that lack of speed. So, I mean, it's a good point. I mean, I remember um, when I had my first meeting when I was with Chicago, you sit down in a room of like 70 guys. And like, look around to your left, look around to your right. In a year, half you guys will be gone. And it's because of two reasons. One, mental, or you get injured. That's it. Mm-hmm. Everyone here has the talent, but mm-hmm. either your body fails you or your mind fails you. Mm-hmm. Which one's it going to be? Right. And I think you're hitting, you're doing a great job of you're, you're leveling these kids out and you're keeping them grounded so their mental aspect is stronger. And then you're doing little things like doing the protocols, like can you squat properly? Can you do single leg movement properly? Can you do sling systems properly? And I don't know how many professionals I've talked to, and you're the first one that says, I focus on the posterior sling system. But like, that's brilliant because we all know that's our brakes. That slows us down from injury. I mean, one of the biggest injuries in female soccer is ACL injuries. And you wonder why. Well, because their quads are stronger than their hamstrings. Right. And every coach knows this, but why don't they teach it? 
And it's just because it's boring. It's boring doing posterior work. It's not fun. It's not sexy. It's not aggressive. It's right. boring. Yep. But it's also the safest way to keep us on the field. And the fact that you said that, I'm thinking, this guy gets it. He understands it. He understands how the body moves. He understands how to keep athletes on the field, which honestly is the biggest key for any coach. He'd be like, yeah, I have all these wonderful athletes. Nine of them are on the DL. Well, that's wonderful. Right. I have the strongest athletes out of ten. Nine are on the DL, so it doesn't really help me. Right. But if I have ten good athletes, but they're all participating. And again, like you said, that kid next to me, not, I mean, the kid next to me may be faster, maybe stronger, but I move better. I'm not going to get injured. So he and I are neck and neck, and he needs to get past me a little bit. Boom, he gets injured, I'm going to surpass him. Yep. And that's what happens. Yep. And I think that's the biggest difference from D1 to professional level is how strong are you mentally, and you're coaching that. You're putting those kids through the ringer. And we all know some of the stuff that we do in the fitness industry is – how, how far can I push so I break you mentally? Right. And the other part is, how far can I push you and not get you injured? And that's a lot of it. I mean, are you going to get injured? Or is your mental is your body going to break down? Or is your mental part going to break down? And that's going to take you to the next part. Right. And I think so many coaches forget that. They're so focused on having the fastest, strongest kid that they get injured. So how does that help anybody? Right. And you can't measure. You can't measure that sort of stuff. You can't measure doing shoulder release work every single day. You can't measure doing mm-hmm. some shoulder, some hip release work. I mean, that stuff's not sexy. That no. stuff is boring. It takes time. Um, maybe you do that away from other people so people don't see you actually putting in that sort of effort. But that's what I really try to strive for when I'm, when I'm teaching the athletes is that, you know, it's cool to come in on a PR day and hit a PR it's awesome. Mm-hmm. All right. You're being competent with what we're doing. That's amazing. But performance or being a performer to me is being able to do the small things on a daily basis and do it consistently and want to do it because you know the bigger scheme. You know the bigger plan of what that's actually accomplishing. It's great to go out and bench 450. You know what's better is being able to do something every single day. And even if I come in on a PR day and I don't hit that 450, I still feel good because I put in the work. I've put in the effort every single day because there's tons of people out there who are not good test takers. There's tons of people out there who are not good performers when it counts. Right. And unfortunately, that's just human nature. But if you can look at yourself in the mirror on a daily basis, specifically as an athlete, specifically as a young athlete, and know that you're doing your best every single day and know you're doing the small things – you're going to habitualize to that. And it's not going to be difficult anymore for you to do that. And you can carry that anywhere you go in any facet of the life. Yeah. And see, that's a big thing is there, like you said, the little things each day, it's those small little tasks you do each day to reach that ultimate goal. So you kind of hit it a little bit. So what I'm going to ask the question I ask everybody is what is the work? Cause this is the performance podcast, yeah. the word performance what does that mean to you as a coach, as a business owner, as a husband, as an individual? Take it. Yeah, so I thought a lot about this. Um, and, you know, the world has taught us that performance or to, to perform is to put on some sp- some big spectacle, right? Or to, you know, pitch a no-hitter or to, you know, have 100 yards and a touchdown or, or whatever, whatever – you know, space, get married, buy a sweet house, get a new car, things like that. And I don't necessarily think that is the case with me and what I try to teach my clients or to, to live my life is I want to be able to 
conquer myself on a daily basis internally. So that means when I'm not having a good day, how do I respond? When I don't hit that PR, how do I respond? When something good happens, how do I respond? I want to be real consistent with the way I respond in life. So I want to be positive. I've always been taught, and this this goes back to college, it's, it's not about the events in life that happens. Um, if you want a certain outcome, it doesn't matter about the event. It matters how you respond. Ten yeah. times out of ten. Because mm-hmm. you could... You could be on top of the plant, like for instance, the kid that I played football with. He was on top of the world. He was getting Alabama offers, LSU, Ohio State, all this stuff, and that's great. His outcome was to go to one of those schools, but the way he responded, and the way he did the little things on a daily basis, and the way he conducted himself, and the in the internal internal battles that he had, he was not winning on a daily basis. He wasn't doing his homework. He wasn't uh, hitting the weight room when he needed to. He wasn't doing his his release or his stretch routine. He wasn't doing those small things that you can't put quantitative data on. So guess what? Those schools went away. And then what did he have after that? He didn't have those responses. Mm-hmm. He didn't have the internal responses that you need to be dominant or to be a performer in everyday life. So he's not playing football, as you could tell. Yeah. You know, and so I think that Getting back to your, your question, um, I think being a performer on a daily basis and controlling the, the things that you can control internally, um, fighting that internal battle, and then being able to positively influence other people by your actions and by that internal battle that you're winning every day, I think that, to me, is what a performer is, or to have performance. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. And like so taking care of the small details every day yeah. and then looking yourself in the mirror and say, I'm performing my yeah. performance today, which is good because I think, you know, so many people have different ideas of what that word means to them. And I kind of like your approach to it. Whereas, you know, for me to perform every day, I have to be able to look at myself and that's good because in today's society, it seems like everybody wants to project. It's always someone else's fault. It's always someone else who's been doing, mm-hmm. but you're saying, no, it, my responsibility, if, if I make it through today is because of me, not because of somebody else. If I make it to my goals, it's because of me. I took care of the details, which is huge. I mean, yeah. I, I love that because I just, I think too many people, they, they use that word so easily. It's so broad. Oh, I'm going to perform well today. Are you? Not every day we perform our best. Yeah. But did we perform enough to be better than we were yesterday or were we worse today? And, and that's something that, you know, us as an individual have to look in the mirror and say, no, today I, I dropped the ball. I didn't do as well. Yeah. And honestly, it takes courage to do that. There it is. Like how many people are willing to look at themselves and say, yep, it's all me. Not many. I mean, in this day and age, we live in an instant gratification world and people want something from you nine times out of 10. They're going to tell you what you want to hear. Yes. They're going to tell you that it's not your fault. They're going to tell you that, you know, it's something else. And I think it, it really takes a lot of courage and it takes a lot of sense of self to be able to look at yourself in the mirror and say, I didn't do good enough today. Or like, this is something else I could do to better myself. Um, because you can't put that on paper. You can't put dollar signs to that. You can't, you know. And I'm, I'm a real big comp- proponent of, you know, self-help and self, uh, finding your self-worth and finding what you can control. So I, I've been reading this book, The Seven 
Habits of Highly Effective People yep, by Stephen yeah, yeah. Uh, Covey. Yeah, I have. And, um, you know, I, I love a lot of stuff that he says in it. And he, he talks about, you know, identifying uh, internally what you can control. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important. And I think a lot of people don't necessarily do that because we want to feel like we can control everything in life, right? We're very egotistical, self-centered people. Um, and it takes time and it takes dedication to really dive into what can I control all right. How am I going to go about controlling that? Am I going to do it? Because you can control things in a negative way. Mm-hmm. That's the easy way right. to do it. Um, how can I control it positively? And then where's my circle of influence? How can I um, take what I've learned myself and allow people to feed off that energy, to feed off that positivity? And, you know, that's kind of what I try to do as much as possible. And I can see it. I mean, I see your athletes because – there's been several times where I see you training and you'll go help one cl- one kid and then another kid helps another kid. So yeah. It's like they're feeding off what they're learning. They're, be- they're becoming little leaders themselves, which is huge. And I like the fact that you put a lot back onto your athletes where you let them realize that if they're going to make it, it's, it's on them. You're, you're guiding them. Mm-hmm. But you're also – you're humble enough where you're like, hey, I helped you, but you did the work. Yeah. You put the time in. You looked at yourself and said, "No, I didn't do well enough today," or "I did well enough today." I'm, I'm like, I'm your coach, but you still had to put the work in. Yeah. And you've seen it, and I've seen it too, where so many coaches live vicariously through their athletes. Mm-hmm. Where they're like, "That's my guy." Yeah. I did that. For right. Them. Instead of the other way, it's like that's that's a person. I I helped them, but they did the work. Right. And that's a testament to you because. We're missing that in the fitness industry, which is shameful because the industry is growing like a weed. So many people want to be a part of it. And I think America or the world itself is thriving to be healthier. They're striving to be better looking, moving Mm -hmm. better, all that stuff. They Mm -hmm. want to be medicine free. They want to eat healthy. But the problem is our coaches are so stuck on themselves where it's they can't get out of their own way to help someone Mm -hmm. properly. Mm -hmm. It's... I want this person because I know they can help me financially instead of I want to help this person because I know I can help them mm-hmm. be better. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a shame. I mean, I have no idea how to fix that. I wish – do you have any insights on how to help that? I don't know, man. I mean, I definitely think that with with certified personal trainers, I think there needs to be some sort of governing body to like regulate things a little bit mm-hmm. more because anybody off the street, if you have a – not even if you have a high school diploma, there's tons of certifications that you can get – Literally in one hour. And unfortunately, like a lot of people who who reach out to a personal trainer don't ask those important questions like, what is your degree? Mm -hmm. What is your certification in? What kind of experience do you have? People just look at like, what can you do for me right now? Yeah. And, And unfortunately, like us trainers have given them that sort of outlet to say like that instant gratification because you want more clients or you want that financial sort of stability. And I think it takes a lot of courage to, for trainers to sit back and say, okay, like, what am I actually, what is my why? Like, why am I doing this? Am I doing this to create more revenue? If that's so, be transparent about it. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you truly want to help somebody um, and you want to help them based on their specific goals, because I think that's a, a big thing too, is like too many trainers have the one size fits all type of protocol that yeah. they use with everybody. And nobody, I don't care if I have two baseball players that have the similar stature and similar you know, velocity speed, they are not the same. I can't train them the same because their bodies are not the same. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, as long as you can 
sort of view that and say each individual is different. There's going to be different goals for people. And if I'm really doing this because I actually want to help somebody, then it's going to be um, palpable to everybody. It's going to be that domino effect. And then, yeah, your business grows and grows. Yeah. You're, you're ch- basically, you're not chasing the whole mind dollar. Yeah. You're chasing the product, and then that, that comes into hand. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I think that it's so easy now to say I'm a certified trainer, which my opinion is I wouldn't label you as a trainer. I'd put you more as a coach or a teacher because you're not just teaching them to be better athletes. You're teaching them to be better people. Yeah. The trainer is... One rep, two rep, three mm-hmm. reps. Oh, let's go to this machine. Let's go to this machine. Those are a dime a dozen. Those are a dime a dozen. And then they download a program from the internet and say, here, let's do this today. Or, hey, I'm a, I have a prescription to men's fitness, so we're going to do their workout every right. week or something. Right. And, but and I think a lot of it has to do with the lack of education with our population when it comes to looking for a coach. Mm-hmm. It's, I found you on Instagram. I found you on the website. You're cheap. I'm going to go with you because... I would say the majority of people look at our industry and say, all you're doing is count reps. What's the big deal? Why is that expensive? Or why do you have to go to school to do that? And you and I both were PTs or, you know, we studied to become PTs. So we know that the bodies move, everybody, body, everybody moves differently. Mm-hmm. And everybody is, has some deficiency one way or another, whether mm-hmm. it's a quarter inch this way, or if it's a knee this way, or if it's the angle of the knee bends this way. And all that can dictate how someone moves and how the program should be developed. Right. But most co- most trainers, they just say, oh, you, you're not broken. Mm-hmm. You, look, you appear to look good. Mm-hmm. So we're going to put you on machines that are fixed, which now is going to probably cause more imperfections because right. I don't know how your body actually moves through natural planes. Right. And that's where the education comes from. And that's where we can actually help people. But like you said, I'm going to pay more to work with you because – you're actually going to mold my body into a better human. Mm-hmm. Not just look better, but feel better, move better, function better, no medication, none, basically a perfect basically a perfect car. Mm-hmm. Or I can work with somebody that's a third or half your price and maybe look good, but wake up achy, maybe have some hormonal issues because my stress levels are high because I'm not flushing my blood properly or because I have inflammation in my joints because I'm not moving properly, mm-hmm. but I don't know better. Right. And I wish there was a way to educate people on that aspect. And I don't think there is a way because so many people are focused on, like you said, that they can't control it. They don't want to be a part of it. They want to be something they can control. Mm-hmm. And they're more focused on how they look or how their clothes fit. And I think people overlook on how they move. And I don't know, you probably have the same conversation as you talk to a client, like, yeah, I wake up every morning, my back is sore. And then they work with you six weeks, and you're like, how's your back feeling? Well, what do you mean? It doesn't hurt. You, you thought that'd be important to mention. <laughs> right. They don't realize is that the things that they're doing properly, they're now waking up with less pain. Before they woke up every day with pain, now they're not, and they don't even think about that. But they right. think, well, my waist's not going down on the scale. But I don't hurt. Mm-hmm. It's like, which one do you want? Right. Do you want to have pain, but scale go down I can help you with that but you're going to be broken in a couple years right and I wish there was a way to educate people and the sad thing is if you're the you're the top tier the master trainer how you were at Urban Active and I'm the you know the guy that fresh off the boat kind of scenario where I just did my you know my hundred dollars I spent online got my certification right you're twice as much as me you're gonna work with me and I break you well that person's scarred yeah so not only did I lose a client but I think the entire industry just lost somebody Right. 
And I wish there was a way to get people, and I agree with you, I think there should be a board of some sort where physical therapists need to do certifications every year. They need to stay on their licensing. They need to do certain things. They have a specific education to practice. Mm -hmm. But you and I also both know that physical therapists are handcuffed on what they can do. Right. You know, if you come in with a shoulder injury, but their hips are jacked up, their knees are jacked up, they can't squat properly. As a therapist, we can't do anything about it. Yeah. We just said, well, it's all insurance, right? Yep. Like, we'll work with you for two months, and then I'll see you in six months when, you, when your back goes out. Right. And I wish there was a way where, as a coach, we can fix those, but they have to be kind of geared so we can get rid of the riffraff. And and there's oh, we always hear it that there's some policy in place, but it never goes through. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, when it comes to that, I guess it's just we keep buying our time almost. Or maybe if money wasn't such a big issue because... You have the, the NSCA, which I'm a part of their board too, which was you needed a four education. Yep. You needed to spend thousands of dollars or hours on time training, and then you need to go to a training site to do it. Right. Now it's like, well, if you're... Yeah, they've changed it. Yep. Since, I mean, I've, I've been certified for eight years, and it's changed multiple times since then. It's because because it's, it's easier to get now. They want more dollars. They yep. want more... So the, the quality is going down because they want more revenue because the quantity is going up and, you know... I mean, you can't you can't fault them for that because they are a business. Yeah. And when more more people want those certifications with the top tier, and they realize, wow, we're missing a big pie piece of the pie here because we're asking for so much stuff. Which for you and I, that's why we went that way because you needed certain parameters or qualities or you know things recommend or qualifications to even attempt that test. Yeah. And they're like, well, we could, we're only getting a small piece because not everybody here has a four year degree. Well, that's a good thing. Now, now everybody can take it. I heard this story, and this is this is relevant. So I heard this story about this this chain that had this really good like lobster bisque. It was like the talk of the town, mm-hmm. but it was really expensive. New ownership came in, and they they changed it. They made it cheaper. So obviously, with cheaper comes you know you know your quality of ingredients goes down. And mm-hmm. but they got real busy real quick. All right, because it was cheaper. It still tasted sort of the same. They're still doing a lot of the same stuff. They're still using the lobster. Mm-hmm. They're still doing the same sort of technique and, you know, it with the ingredient list. But there's one small factor is they didn't use, you know, this like certain cream or whatever. And over time, people started saying, okay, well, it's, you know, it's, it's okay now. Right. You know, worth the, is it worth the, I want to go back to what, I originally had because it was worth the money to me. It was worth the investment to me to come to drive down here for this really bomb chowder, right? Or lobster bisque. And over time they had to, you know, buck up and say, okay, like we're going to go back to the original. We're going to spend the money. We're going to, you know, increase the price a little bit. And I think that's where at some point the training industry is going to go to is they're going to say, okay, you know, the quantity is there now, but people aren't training with these trainers anymore because they're either getting hurt or they're not, you know, just the, the, the type of product isn't where it was before. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, to, to answer your question, I think it's going to get back to sort of the, the parameters, the harder parameters to get certified at some point. And hopefully there's some sort of governing body to do that, to catalyze that. So. Right. I hope so too, because it's just, you go online, you type in PT certification, there's just a list and it, there's no qualifications whatsoever. It's just, are you 18? Are you alive? Do you have 100 bucks? <laughs> right. Take the test. And right. you do it online. Like, how are you? Because, so, again, if you and I are coaching somebody and you see a, in profession of a squat, 
you don't like hold on a second let me go buy my book real quick oh that's a bad squat like right. you should kind of know these things off the top of your head mm-hmm. I know some of the things is we can always go back and research but some things if you don't have the eye maybe you should be coaching somebody because if they squat improperly one time and you catch it mm-hmm. you can stop it mm-hmm. if they squat like did that look right next thing you know boom their back goes out right and I always tell everybody at the time if it doesn't look good it's probably wrong so I mean Hopefully we get to that route. That's the, that's the, the demon of social media because social media, I think, is the catalyst for this new quantity of or quality sort of training where wow. numbers are, are the only thing that's driving a trainer or, you know, numbers really drive the, the participant. They say, oh, this person has, you know, 20 million followers and they're giving out this program for 20 bucks a month or whatever. Right. Yeah. Look at, look how good she looks or look how good he looks. And they don't understand, like, it's taken them years and years and years and years of, of probably different training than what they're currently showing you to right. get to that point. Or maybe it's not even they haven't gotten the body legally to get to that point. So mm-hmm. um, and I think that's where the trust factor and, and the people niche that I said earlier really comes into play because anybody can pick any trainer and do that sort of protocol, but there needs to be a trust factor. It needs to be some sort of relationship mm-hmm. with somebody. I agree. Cause I mean, if, if you go from not moving to moving, you're going to get healthier, but is it sustainable? Mm-hmm. And, and if you don't trust the coach and they're not really pushing you appropriately, mm-hmm. you're going to hit a wall, you're going to get hurt. And then you're going to just fall right back down the hill. And you're just being another statistic of someone that's just yeah. out of shape. So, I mean, that's huge. And I, I love the fact the idea is you said, your niche is people, not sport specific, not baseball, not football. It's people because again, if you if if you don't have that trust factor in a person or your client, how far are you gonna go? Right. And the last thing you want to do is is as a as a person who's seeking out a personal trainer or an athlete trying to seek out a coach, is follow some sort of program that you're working really really hard. You're spending a lot of money on. Mm-hmm. Um, you've put in years of practice. You've done all this stuff. You climb the ladder to whatever your goal is and you figure out the ladder is on the wrong wall, right? Yeah. And you're like, shit, now I can't take back that time or that finance or that effort. So that's what I think people just need to start realizing sooner than later is that um, training is more than just counting reps. Training is more than just the protocol. Training is more than just um, to my – to me, it's more than just the physical results. Obviously, results are really important, mm-hmm. and you want to be competent, and you want to be able to perform at a high level when you need to perform. Um, but that's but training is so much more, in my opinion. So, what is it? Man, it's just building better people. It's building better moral character. It's building better um, mental. Um, the mentality of somebody to be on their own side. It's like not self-hate to um, control what you can control, to uh, persevere under hard times, um, to handle successes with grace, um, to not be prideful enough to not accept criticism where criticism is due. Um, little things like those aren't really little things because not a lot of people do it on a daily basis. But things like that that you can't 
put the date on, I think is, is way holds a lot more importance specifically in the, in the life of an athlete that coaches, trainers, parents, athletes themselves Mm -hmm. don't take into account as enough as much as they should. It says a lot because it goes back to your point is taking that responsibility in yourself, looking at yourself in the mirror and saying, Hey, what did I do today? Yeah. Did I, you know, someone said I did something wrong today. Did I snip at it? Were they correct about who I am and what did I do today? Yeah. And I think so many people, like you said, they're, they're scared because it's a vulnerable situation to be in Mm -hmm. to look in the mirror and say, I messed up today Mm -hmm. or I did great today. It's easy to say I did great. Mm -hmm. But I mean, Every great athlete, every entrepreneur knows there's more negative days than positive days. Mm-hmm. It's just, do you use those negative days and do you, I mean, do you learn from those negative days right. to make a positive days even bigger? Right. And I, I see so many athletes where they've had a negative day and it adds to another one, another one. They're not learning mm-hmm. because they're afraid to say, it was me. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that, that says a lot. And I think more and more people need to hear that. Business owners need to hear that. Athletes need to, everyday people need to hear that because, you know, you, you, you fight with your spouse and you're like, it's her fault or it's his fault. It's easy to do that. It's easy to do that and say, well, maybe, maybe I did something wrong. Right. But then that means you got to look in the mirror and be like, oops, yeah. I messed up. Yeah. So then you got to bow your head and apologize. And, you know, you have to admit that you wronged somebody, right. which nobody likes to say they've been wronged. I mean, everybody wants to say, that guy screwed me. Oh, okay. So the reason you're falling behind is that guy. Not mm-hmm. because... You know, maybe he did screw it, but so what? Get over it. That's that's out of your control at this point. It's out of your control. What is in your control? Your ability to respond in whatever way you choose. Yep. That's all on you. And a lot of people don't take responsibility for that yeah. in their choices. You have a lot of baseball players. Guy throws a pitch right down the dick and the umpire goes, ball. You yeah. get pissed off. What are you going to do? Yeah. It's over. Yeah. He called the ball. You can't control that he called the ball. No. You're going to get pissed off and then hang one. The guy's going to hit one 500 feet. Or are you going to nut up and throw another great pitch? Yeah. It's, it's, it's one of those things is bad things happen. How do we react? Right. And I mean, that, that's huge that you're teaching those kids that because I think so many people miss that. And you're teaching them at a level when they're learning how to move properly, which then now their mind's growing, their body's growing. So they take yeah. that to the next level, whether or not they're going to play sports but just the next level of their life, which is, which is huge. One of the most important things that I've found since I've started training is like, you can't effectively train somebody unless mentally they're ready to be changed. So like, a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> so like when somebody comes in and they say, I want to be this, or I want to look like this, or I want to, I think a lot of people come into it thinking that it's going to be some sort of like easy, like just show me a diet that I can follow for, for a year or something like that. I'm like, life doesn't work like that. Like you still got to live. <laughs> so, so it's like, it's like being able to mentally change will allow you to be effective physically to change. Cause if my mind's not into squatting not a squat. PR, yeah. I'm not going to do it. There's no. no way your mind controls your body. Right. And again, like you're, that's that you're right there. Again, if you're mentally not into it, how are you gonna do it? Yeah. If I'm not mentally into a relationship with somebody, it's not gonna last. Mm-hmm. If I mentally don't want to work, yeah, it goes back to that. Like again, you have a. You're probably when you're playing sports. I mean, I don't feel like practice today. Mm-hmm. Or you see a guy like, I'm just not mentally in this game today. Well, you're not gonna have a great game. Mm-hmm. We know it. Mm-hmm. So might as well just stop what you're doing right now. And it's awesome where you know a lot of 
higher end schools, like a lot of division one schools, a lot of pro um, corporations are, are starting to get to the point where they start talking about that mental, that mental toughness, that mental stability, but it doesn't happen enough at younger ages. Um, Cause I see a lot of kids now that get, you know, um, they either get super burnt out on what they're doing or they get um, in that sort of like weird negative mindset that they can't go past their current limits or whatever roadblocks they have that they've done or experiences have shown them that is sort of that protective mechanism. Mm -hmm. Um, Once you can get over that hump and once you can teach kids that there is something more to you than what you currently are, um, that's when they, that's when you see real growth. And I think that if you can connect with a kid, specifically a kid um, sooner to understand that they're in control of that mental aspect of training. Um, the physical side's easy at that point. Yeah. I mean, the hard part's mental. It's yeah. Like, we do the mental little test for hair. It's like, hey, do a row for 2,000 meters as fast as you can. Mm-hmm. It's not going to hurt you. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's going to suck mentally. Like, mm-hmm. your body's like, mm, I don't want to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. Can you push through? Yeah. So, last question. I know you, you kind of answered it, but I guess how you could answer this to a parent or a new athlete mm-hmm. is... What's your biggest takeaway for any athlete or for any co- or coach, parent, whomever maybe that comes to you and says, hey, I want X. What's, what can you do for me? I know it's a very open, broad question, but if, if something new, say I meet you at a bar, like, hey, what do you do for a living? You tell me, oh, how can you help me? So what am I going to tell somebody? Like- just someone you just were sitting at a bar and you tell me what you do, like you're a coach. Oh, hey, I need help. I want to get a better deadlift. Mm. You know, that one where, question. Where do, I, always... where do I go from there? Yeah. Okay. Um, like across the board with any client, right? Well, just because we always get this question. We're at a bar. We're at someone. We start talking to some right. stranger. Right. And we're like, hey. How do you... <laughs> I get it all the time from yeah. people. So how do you answer that question? <laughs> Man. Here's my card. No, yeah, no, no, no. I mean, there is, there is sort of a... Um, a cadence you want to follow in terms mm-hmm. of that. Usually I ask, okay, what have you been doing? What is your eating habits like? What is your sleep cycle like? What are you? And then there's some sort of mental aspect of it. Like, I don't know. What are you doing on a daily basis to positively influence your life? Something like that. Um, I know those are kind of vague answers, but I think that it, it kind of runs true with what I've been saying is that, those things um, that you have to do on a daily basis. So you have to, I mean, you technically don't have to sleep or eat on a daily basis. Um, but those type of things, I think, go a long way with, with being effective um, in the gym and athletically and physically. Um, so, yeah, those are usually the first couple of things that I ask them in return is like, all right, what are you doing for food? What are you doing for your sleep? What is your current training like? What are your past experiences like? Things like that. That's a good question because it makes the individual look at themselves saying, well, yeah, yeah, you yeah. can tell them real like, internal. Like, oh, yeah. Because, you know, they're trying to hear it's like, oh, do this program or do that right. program. But you're asking real questions to them. And they're honest questions, which also is building that trust because they're going to have to look deep at themselves and say, I like garbage. I, I sleep like crap. Um, I have a stressful life. So they're actually yeah. looking at themselves like they're not going to come back. Oh, I eat great. I, right. You know, I'm sitting next to you with a giant burger and fries and wings and a beer. But I eat great. You know, right. they have to really look at themselves. People are looking at the people are looking at the beautiful city, but they don't see the individual stones that are used to create the city 
and how long it takes to create it and the, and the stuff that you had to do every single day to make that city. And I have kids even now um, ask me like, oh, how do you bench this much? Or how do you power clean this much? Or how do you do this? I'm like, dude, city wasn't built in a day. I was like, it's great that you have these like big, awesome goals. And I feel like you, your end should be in mind when you start planning something. Mm-hmm. Um, but we can't forget the journey, man. The journey is where you're made. Yeah. Uh, I agree with that because, I mean, just transformations that we did with our facility, it didn't happen overnight. Right. It was a journey. It was right. stressful as all hell. But you made the right point. Is everyone, they look at you and like, wow, you're in great shape. You're strong. I want to be like you. And you're like, okay, walk in my footsteps for a week. It's not easy. Yeah. And we have a lot of that. My wife and I have a great relationship. We're both in the gym a lot. We both run a business together. Um, when people see us out, they're like, oh, my gosh, you guys are like, so perfectly matched together and I hate hearing that because they don't see the shit the chaff right they don't see you know the proactiveness that we take oh, they, don't see behind the curtain. they don't they don't see it and it's it, it making me mad doesn't really justify it but it just makes me think that like yeah this looks great but you don't know that's the point you don't get is that you don't just get like this. You don't just have a great relationship. You don't create a successful business. It just doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Like you have to look at each individual concrete block. Well, they look at the end result. Yeah. They don't look at what all the stuff happened beforehand. And again, they see the perfect relationship, but they don't realize it was work. Yeah. They and that's the it. internal part of it. And no one wants to see the work because that means the individual has to be like, crap. They went. They crawled through the mud to get where they're at. Yeah, and they're like, ah, I don't want to really want to do that. Yeah. No, I just want the end result. I don't want to do the rest right. of the stuff. And then that's why they sit the the side of the road, and you and I are driving forward. Right. Because they don't want to go through the mud, and and I guess that's a test. That's good because you know my father used to always say this thing is when someone messes up or someone screws up or someone is just a leech, you should go up to them, smack them on the back, and thank them because that's your competition. You don't want guys like you everywhere you go because that means you have to work that much harder to be successful. So you should thank the people that want to bring you down and want to just leash off you because those people aren't working hard means you don't have to be successful. There's two sides to that. Yeah. I'd rather surround myself with people that are hungry and want to be that because yeah. the whole theory is you surround yourself around the people you want to be and Iron sharpens iron. But I also get the idea is if everybody was as hungry as you that means you just got to be hungry and hungry and hungry. Mm. So instead of saying those guys are idiots, they're horrible people, they're good to be in your life because it also looks back and say, I don't want to be that guy. Mm-hmm. I want to be this guy. I want to be you. To do that, mm-hmm. I got to work harder because that the guy behind me is the one I don't want to be. Mm-hmm. And so there's, there's positive negatives to both sides. But it also, too. I think that also can, can play the other way is that those people who are trying to bring you down haven't experienced what you've experienced and maybe life situations has brought you to the point and your hard work has brought you to the point. And I feel like looking back at those people and saying like, man, I was there at one point. Like I didn't understand what I understand now. I wasn't there. That's what a trainer's being is all about. Like I know things now that I didn't know when I was in high school, like the kids I'm training. So it's my job as a mentor, as a leader, as a um, previous athlete to be able to sort of retroact that and say like, guys, this is what I went through. These are the things I wish I would have known when I was your age. And some people take it, some people don't. And that's out of your control at that point. What I can't control is 
you know, my attitude and what I'm actually physically going to do to help these kids. And I think a lot of that is just bringing it back and saying, Hey guys, or clients or people in general mm-hmm. and saying, Hey, like, this is what I learned so when I was there. So you're reaching back. So I'm reaching like, back. There doesn't mean you can't reach forward right. to, to strive for more, so but I feel like along with you. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like that kind of keeps you in that happy medium. And some will come when some won't. Yeah. And the ones that don't are like, well, right, that's yeah. just your choice. But that's a good point because you never want to forget where you came from. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people, and some people do do that. They forget where they came from. But you also don't also want to leave people in the dust that will honestly take your advice and want to be better. So that's that's good. Yeah. So, all right. So how can people get a hold of you? What's the best way? Um, and any final words you want to tell anybody? Um, yeah. So if you're looking to, um, as an athlete or just a person in general, get, get better. Um, you can find me at the gym. Uh, I basically live here and, um, you can find me on, uh, Instagram or Facebook, just Robert flag or flag fitness LLC. Um, other than that, yeah, I just hope that you guys can, um, take a little something from this and just, be able to look in the mirror and, and try to control what you can control in terms of knowing that it is a choice to respond in a positive or negative way in anything in life. It's always a choice. So I think that's it. That's, that's perfect. I love it. Thank you. Sweet.